You know, the world's becoming, in my opinion, for whatever it's worth. Uh, I know, you know, opinions aren't worth much and everyone has one, but becoming more and more hostile to liberty. Um, you know, I sent out a news clip today from Fox News about the coronavirus in the schools and spew other things on it. Anyway, um, and, you know, many say that all these things are about Trump, about President Trump. That's kind of their, you know, they're just, it's all against President Trump. Um, to bring down President Trump, and that's what this is about. That's not what this is about. If it wouldn't be President Trump, it'd be against whoever else was conservative. It's not just against President Trump. It's against an idea. It's against a way of life. It's against a form of government. It's against religious liberty. You know, our form of government was established because of religious liberty. That is the foundation of our country. You take away religious liberty, we won't have a republic because tyranny will ensue. Um, and so, you know, the source of liberty is God and and uh, this is what the, all this is about. You know, it's not about science. And using science, I call it science falsely so-called, spoken of in First Timothy, I think it's First Timothy 6, verse 19 or verse 20. talks about a science falsely so-called. You know, climate change is a science falsely so-called, and so is this coronavirus thing. Um, it's just a couple examples uh, of, you know, the hypocrisy of, all that's going on, and which I'm sure you're well aware. Um, there's a Washington Post had an article September 25th, 2020, by Lenny Bernstein, and um, providing information about children. And, uh, and I'll just read a couple things from it. Quote, children are more likely to die of homicides. There were 1865 in 2016, according to the government data. Drowning, 995, even fires and burns, 340. And as of uh, September of 2020, there hadn't been a single fatality among young people under 20 in 18 states. Not one. In 18 states. And... um, uh, I don't know what... Oh, there's only about 100 total have died across the whole, whole nation. Um, I caught, printed out an article from the CDC uh, about children, young people, and I, I, as I read through the article, I'm almost to the end and I'm wondering, you know, there's something they left out. They talked about all the cases and the percentage of them that were hospitalized and the percentage of them that, you know, um, had underlying issues and all, and all these other things, and and I'm, and I'm, I'm reading and reading reading, and reading, and, I think this, and all of a sudden it was right at the end. There's this little part, how many had died. And it's 0.01%. So almost, you know, I mean, one's too many, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, there's not hardly any at all. Uh, here, here's the thing. This is off a of med page today. How accurate, the article is titled, How Accurate is the Coronavirus Death Toll? A Forensic Pathologist's Perspective, written by Judy Melanick, April 13th, 2020. So this is early on. 
She said, at an April 7th news conference, Deborah Burks, MD, the response coordinator for the White House Coronavirus Task Force, said, quote, there are other countries that if you had a pre-existing condition, and let's say the virus caused you to go to the ICU, and then you, they have a kidney, heart or kidney problem, some countries are recording, recording that as a heart issue or a kidney issue and not COVID-19 death. Right now. If someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that as a COVID-19 death. So no matter what condition you have, if you contact COVID-19 and you die, it's COVID-19, which we've all known that. Um, however, there was a, an article come out of the CDC, which people back in August, which people jumped onto and then, and then they backpedaled, uh, which said that and this is what was in that article, and I'll quote here. The CDC data, data table is based on analysis of death certificates that mention COVID-19 as a cause. And here's the thing. For 6% of the deaths, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned. So of all the deaths that they count for COVID-19, only 6%, the only issue was COVID-19. Only 6%. If that, if they measured the deaths by that, there would only be 9,000 and something total. Now, you know, of course, the other 94% list COVID-19 as the cause, but among those, you know, there were a lot of, there was 2.6 additional conditions of causes per death. So there could be two other causes of death, but COVID-19's added to it, so it's counted as COVID-19. Uh, again, all this, uh, all what, what this is being used, I believe, without any doubt, we can see it in our nation is, is to destroy our nation. I think there's a program here in place to destroy us economically and to level the playing field and, and destroy Americans' independence from the rest of the world. Uh, we know from the book of Daniel, book of Revelation, that the Bible talks about a one-world government that's going to come to pass someday on earth. We know it's going to. And I believe that's what this is all about. Um, some people are just blatantly honest about it and say it, you know, in public, including Kamala Harris. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, she didn't use those exact words, but that's what she meant. But as Christians, um, you know, we ought not to be we not not to be fearful of all these things which we see coming to pass in our world because we have the Lord. And uh, in Psalm 16 here, he gives us several things. First of all, we have a, we have a personal defense. Verses 1 and 2 says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee. You know, no matter who's in power or no matter what way our nation actually goes, it doesn't change our relationship with the Lord. We are still His children. And we are, the psalmist says, preserve me, O God. That means to keep safe. That is to protect. Uh, Psalm 121. You know, the Bible talks about this in many places. In Psalm 121. <clears throat> and uh, 
verses 1 through the, the chapter says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. In Psalm 141, verses 8 through 10. Psalm 141, verses 8 through 10. But mine eyes are unto thee, O God, the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me, and the gins of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets, whilst that I withal escape. You know, in Second Samuel chapter 8, two times in verse 6 and again in verse 14, you know, David is, you know, uh, establishing his kingdom. He's conquering the, the nations around him that are a threat to the nation of Israel. And, and, and of course, you know, when there's battle, there's always a danger of being killed in battle. But, but the Lord says two times there in those chapters, verse 6 and verse 18, or verse 14 of 2 Samuel 8. Or, yeah, 2 Samuel 8. It says, And the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. Whithersoever he went. See, David was God's child. And the Lord preserved him. In Genesis 28.15, speaking to um, Jacob, the Bible says, And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And I will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. I want you to think about that phrase. I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. See, God is still sovereign. He is still the Lord of heaven and earth. Even though unsaved men do not acknowledge Him as Lord, He is the Lord. And until He is done with you for what He has purposed for your life, no man is going to take it from you. In Isaiah 54, 17, the prophet Isaiah said, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. You know, Jeremiah prophesied to a rebellious nation, and there were several attempts on his life. You know, he was telling, can you imagine, can you imagine... Telling President Trump, you just need to, you just need to, uh, you just need to surrender to China. How do you think that'd go over with him? No, you said somebody else. You know, it might be okay. He already has. But you know, if you said that to President Trump or some military general who's very patriotic still, you said that to him. You, you might as well just you might as well surrender because God said you you're gonna, they're going to defeat you anyway. So you might as well just surrender. What do you think they'd say? They'd probably tell you where to get lost. But this is what Jeremiah did. He he prophesied to the king. He prophesied to the people. You need to surrender to the king of Babylon because they're going to come into this city and they're going to take this place. 
Because the Lord has spoken it. And not only that, he said it's because of your sin. Because of your rebellion against God. And yet, this is what God said to him. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Don't be afraid of them. In fact, he says in I think it's the later part of that chapter, verse 1, he said, I've made thee a brazen wall against all the land of Israel. Don't be afraid. You know, Ephesians 1.11 says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him. So God has a purpose for your life. He has a predetermined purpose for your life. That's what predestination means. As his child, he has a predetermined purpose for your life. It's of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So no man can take your life from you unless God is finished with you. Now we know that there's some in the Bible who lost their lives, gave their lives. And many down through history. Paul faced martyrdom. He knew it. He knew that his mission was complete. He also knew that his mission was complete. For he said in 2 Timothy 4, 6, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. The time the Lord is going to take me out of this world is here. He understood that. And he accepted it. He was prepared for it. Peter said the same thing. 2 Peter 1, 14, Knowing that I shortly... Shortly that I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. But think of the times throughout Peter and Paul's life and others of the disciples. You know, they were always, they were constantly threatened. You know, Peter and John stood before the Sanhedrin, and and their lives were at stake, and 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 and, and you know, of uh, being either beaten or thrown in prison or possible lives taken from them. But Gamaliel doctor of the law, intervened? Or did he? Or did God put it in his heart to intervene? Herod, of course he killed James with the sword and apprehended Peter and put him in prison, but God came into that prison and Herod died and was eaten of worms. Paul's life was constantly threatened. It seems like he thrived on danger. Or he simply or was it he simply believed his life was in the hand of the Lord, his keeper, who said to him, I will send thee far unto the Gentiles. See, he knew that he was his life was in the hand of God, that God was his keeper, and nothing could harm him unless the Lord allowed it. Psalm 31 and verse 15. Psalm 31 and verse 15. Again, the psalmist, David, said this, verse 15. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. My times are in thy hand. See, David understood that his time, times, his life was in the hand of God. And so he had this personal defense. He was preserved by God. Of course, Jude tells us that we are 
preserved in Jesus Christ and called. And so we see that we have this personal defense. Secondly, there's a, a practical dominion, you know, a power of governing us. And, and we see again in verse 1, uh, or verse 2, I'm sorry, O my soul, thou hast said unto me, unto, my, unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. The Lord speaks of a, of a master, one whom we serve, or we might say one who governs our life. He's a master. He's our ruler. Uh, verse 4 tells us, Their sorrows, talking about the world, Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. You know, David had some problems in his life. There were several times that David, you know, severely disobeyed the Lord. But there's one thing David never did. He never worshipped false gods. It's not recorded anywhere in the Bible that David ever worshipped false gods or sought after false gods. You know, when Saul was pressured, uh, was under severe pressure uh, from the Philistines and, and the Lord wouldn't answer him, what did he do? What did he seek? He went to a witch. He was seeking advice from the devil. So he went after a false god. David never went after a false god. But he says, you know, so, so you know, he refers here to the Lord. And so, you know, the Lord gives us victory over sin and over the world. Psalm 119, verse 133 says, Order my steps in thy word. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. You know, we don't have to be controlled. You know, the world, the world and news media wants to put us in fear, wants us to be controlled by fear. We don't have to be controlled by that. They're not our Lord. They're not to have dominion over us. If you watch that clip I sent out, it's about most of it's about the schools and what it's doing to our children and our education system. But you know, if people are ignorant, they're easily controlled. They want the people ignorant. Do you know how the Catholic Church kept the people in bondage for Nearly a thousand years, they kept them ignorant, illiterate. They wouldn't allow them to have Bibles. And it was the education of the Renaissance period, the education, the Enlightenment, that broke the power of the Roman Catholic Church because people started reading for themselves and seeing that what they were being told was not true. They started thinking, once you start reading for yourself and learning for yourself, you start thinking for yourself. And knowledge is power. It liberates. You see, because we have the scriptures, and we can read for ourselves, we understand the, the signs of the times, we, we, ha- we can have knowledge that gives us power, gives us dominion over the bondage of the world. And of course, the Bible tells us that we can have victory over the sin of the world. And David says here again, their sorrow shall be multiplied to hasten after another God. If you never heard of the true God, you'd make up a God. You would serve some kind of God. Everybody does. You know. I remember a missionary telling us one time, he said that his dad always said, there's no such thing as an atheist. At least he wasn't born that way. 
you know, he might have tried to convince himself that there, that there is no God, but every, every person is born with the belief that there is a God. It's instinctive because man has a spirit that desires fellowship and a relationship with God. And so we can have, we have this, we have our Lord that gives us victory over the bondage that, that, and the sorrows of false religion that we see in the world. Uh, one commentator said this, many heathens, quote, many heathens sacrifice to their idols, that is the devils, with man's blood against all laws of humanity and piety. Unquote. Uh, the priests of Baal offered their own blood to their false gods. Remember, they cut themselves and, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and and you, you can see Catholics and uh, you know, Muslims also give themselves to suicide, and and uh, Catholics who uh, you know whip themselves and and you know uh, crawl on stones and pebbles to 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 appease their gods. Uh, you know, again, offering their blood in their twisted conception of God. Think about the sorrow and suffering that was in Jerusalem when Manasseh introduced the worship of Moloch, offering babies on a heated altar. Could you imagine offering your little baby, laying your little baby on an altar that's heated, red hot? Why? Ignorance. They live in fear. They lack deliberate knowledge of the truth. But we can have victory over that. Thirdly, we see here a preserved, preserved direction. Verses 7 and 8. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. The word counsel means to consult for anyone. Uh, Psalm 32 and verse 8. Psalm 32 and verse 8 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And so we have, you know, the the, the Proverbs says, Proverbs 24 says, uh, 6 says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and the multitude of counselors there is safely. You know, in the scriptures, we have a multitude of counselors. We have Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. You know, we have counsel from all of these men. But it all comes from God. You know, their lives, their lives, the things that they did, good and bad, or good and evil, I should say, counsel us. Because what they are is living illustrations. You do this, and this is what happens. You can't get away from it. You know, maybe people try to deny it. And think it won't happen to them. But the truth is truth. It doesn't change. And so we have a, we have a multitude of counselors in the scriptures. 
we have a and we have a preserved word of God, a preserved directive from the word of the Lord. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise." Proverbs nineteen twenty, "Hear counsel and receive instruction; thou mayest be wise in thy latter end." Proverbs 8, 6. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. You know, we can, we can go to the Word of God and be assured that everything that it teaches is right. On every subject it addresses. Proverbs 22, 20. Have I not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge? Romans 2.18 says, And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. You study the law of God. The law of God will teach you how to treat, how to, how to, have, how to relate to God, because he's holy, and how to treat your fellow man. It boils down to love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from him. You're not going to lie about him. You're not going to commit adultery with her, or him, or her. You're not going to covet what they have. No, you love them as yourself. Philippians 1.10, that, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ. And so, we have this preserved direction from the Lord. Uh, we, have, we have counsel concerning every issue we will ever face in life. Whether it's marriage, raising children, employment, go to Ephesians chapter 6. It tells you about employees or servants, employers, masters. Titus chapter 2 talks about uh, 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 not prolorning. That's, 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 steal- that's, that's basically stealing. You know, give an honest day's work, earn your keep, earn your earn your earn your living. In fact, as if, if a person that won't earn a living is grinds for church discipline. Second Thessalonians chapter three. If any man will not work, neither should he eat. Uh, how we ought to relate to government. How we ha- how to behave in and how to govern a church. How to how what kind of how we should talk. Our speech should be always with grace, seasoned with salt. That no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Ephesians 4.30 Our music, our hair length. I mean, God's got a detail. There isn't much He leaves out. There isn't anything He leaves out. That we need to know. That we need to know about life. We just need to search it out. We need to be willing to seek it out. The Bible is a very comprehensive book. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. You know, many Men are going to f- try and figure out ways to do things they think is better than God's. I remember reading some years ago that Teddy Kennedy said, Socialism hasn't worked in 6,000 years. 
because he wasn't there to run it. See, he thought, and this is, this is the mentality of people in our country that have this mindset, they think that if we bring socialism here, it won't be like in Venezuela. It won't be like in China. What they don't understand is the human heart. Because you take away a man's incentive, incentive, which is what socialism does, he will not work. Why should he? I mean, why would you work hard, Andrew, if there's no way to advance? If you're going to get the same pay as everyone else, I remember my dad saying years ago, and this, you know, I was still school age, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. He, talked, he said, you know, in Russia, there's vast fields of wheat. And it's just going to waste. Because farmers didn't care if they harvested or not. Because they got the same amount of pay whether they cut it or whether they didn't. So why bother? See, there's a lot of devices in a man's heart. But the counsel of the Lord, that'll stand. There's a promised portion. Verse 5 says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. A portion speaks of something that's weighed out. An inheritance is an allotment or a reward. You know, a cup speaks of a it's, a, it's a vessel that you receive something in. You know, a lot is something that falls to you or is awarded to you. You know, all these things have to do with something that is given to you. And he says, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. You know, even a line is a measured field. It speaks of an, an, a possession. You see, we have a we have a promised reward that the Lord has, has promised us. Matthew nineteen twenty nine, Jesus speaking to the disciples, and I think it was Peter that said, "Lord, we've left all, forsaken all, folly. What will we have therefore?" And Jesus said, uh, "And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life." Matthew 5, 5, he said, Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. You have Revelation 20, verse 6. Do you feel like sometimes you have no say? You know what Revelation 26 says? 20, verse 6, not 26. It says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death shall have no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Put that together with Revelation 20 and verse 6. When the Lord comes back, we're going to be in positions of judgment on the world. The saints are going to judge the world for their king, King Jesus. This is our promised portion. It speaks of something that is pleasant. Notice it says, 
Verse 6, thy lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. It's something that's agreeable, that's delightful, that pleases anyone, that is beautiful. Uh, it's something like, some, like something that be polished. No one's going to say when they get it, I don't like it. You know, there's been, people have, have, have given me things that sometimes, you know, I don't say it. But I really don't like it. I'm sure you've received things from people that you didn't care if you had it or not. It's not something you really like. Well, this is this is not that way. This is this is something that we we receive of the Lord, and no one will say, "Oh, I don't like it," because it's pleasant. It's a goodly heritage. Paul spoke of a crown of righteousness. Daniel 12.3 says, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. This is the promised portion to those that love him. But it's also, you know, all that's good. It's all, you know, all that's future. But there's also a present determination. Notice verses 8 through 12. It says, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also is a rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now, i got three things out of that. We have a present help. Verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So I am firmly established because my Lord is at my right hand. He's my God. He's the one that I cling to. He's the one that I hold on to. He is my strength. And he will never leave me, nor forsake me. So that we may only say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man should do unto me. You see, he is at my right hand. You know, if you keep somebody at your right hand, you're keeping them near. Well, God doesn't move, it's us that stays there. We stay there. And if we, if we stay at his right hand... Will we not be moved or tossed to and fro in this world and worried about what's going to happen or what we should do or? No. You know, Psalm 108, I think it's verse 1 says, My heart is fixed. Or is this established? It's settled. So we have that present help. There's a perceived home. Of course, this speaks of, you know, perceive means we, something we understand. Therefore, verse 9, my heart is glad, my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will suffer thine holy one to see corruption. We understand that we have a hope, a resurrection that has come, a home reserved for us in heaven, that fadeth, an inheritance reserved for us in heaven that fadeth not away. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, we have this perceived home. We understand that we have an inheritance reserved in heaven that fadeth not away. It gives us hope and security in a world where things could change in a short amount of time. Life could be different in a short amount of time. Things are unsettled in this world. But that's not something that's unsettled. There's also a pathway of habitation. I tried to keep these all alliterated. <laughs> um, but verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Thou wilt show me the path of life. So while we live in this world, God directs our path. You know, people have asked me, what are you going to do if this and this happens? And I often say, well, I have some ideas, but I don't really know because I'm not there yet. We're not there yet. It's sort of like saying, you know, people, have, I've heard people say this, you know, when, when you're ready to die, God will give you dying grace. But till then, you don't have it. I remember an old preacher saying one time that he was going to have open heart surgery. And he had, a, he had a couple boys, and they came to be with him when he went in for a surgery. And after he came out of the surgery, he said to one of the boys, he said, well, I made it. He said, I knew you would. He said, what do you mean you knew it would? He said, you always preach dying grace and you sure didn't have it when you went in. You see, God doesn't tell us or give us specific directions for next year. He does give us directions for the present. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't think about it, but we shouldn't dwell on it. We can use wisdom. You know, we ought to, I think, you know, it's a good thing to plan for retirement and all that. I'm not saying we shouldn't ever plan for anything in the future. I'm not saying at all. But we shouldn't be overcome with anxiety about what am I going to do if and if, if this and this and this happens. We need to trust God to give us wisdom. That's what he told the disciples. When you're, when you're, when they, when they bring me, you before kings, don't premeditate beforehand what you're going to say. You know, when the lockdowns first came into to being here, you know, I brought a United States Constitution, a North Carolina Constitution, and put it on the pulpit. So I was thinking about it. You know, there's a possibility the authorities might show up. Could happen. So what was I going to do? I have to be honest. I was thinking ahead a little bit. You know, I'm human like the rest of you. So I plan to get out of the Constitution. But, you know, what I would really do when they came, I really don't know. 
Would I even think about it? I had that constitution. Would I even remember that I had that constitution under the pulpit? And would it do any good? I don't know. But we need to trust God. We need just to rest in His promises. Do what we know is right now. And let the future with our Lord. And our care for the future with our Lord. Because He knows what's going to happen there. He's already there. He's already there. He knows what's in store. And we just need to trust Him. After all, what's John 10 say? We are in His hand. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So we are preserved in Him. And so let's go forward, just be faithful, and have confidence in the promises of our Lord.